These may be challenging times, but have hope and listen to the untold health stories about incredible people who have committed their lives to better their communities. Diverse health activists, direct medical providers, community organizers that are helping our communities to get healthier and stronger. Stories of local heroes during the pandemic and even before that proves over and over again that people can come together during times of need and make the world a better place. Stories you would never hear of, except at Healthcare Untold, hosted by Barbara Ann Garcia. Our guest today is Molly Allenberg Friedland, who is in Stride's Group Vice President of Corporate Partnerships. Welcome to Healthcare Untold, Molly. Thank you so much for having me here, Barbara. Well, I'm so excited that this is your first podcast, and also we're excited to hear about Instride and your mission to ensure that organizations can support and retain their staff through continuing educational opportunities. But I wanted to start, Molly, by asking you to share your own career pathway. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for having me, especially on my first podcast. Um, So uh, when we were chatting at the beginning, I really appreciated you saying oftentimes careers are not linear uh, and can be much more circuitous. And I'm definitely one of those. Um, So uh, what the through line throughout my career, though, has been a focus on educational equity and being driven by a deep belief that potential is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. So educational equity is something that I grew up with. Um, Both my grandmothers worked in public education. It is something that was instilled in us from a young age. Um, And I worked in Title I schools and high school and throughout college. But I would say that uh, passion in me really uh, came to life upon graduation from college when I joined a nonprofit organization called Teach for America. which uh, works on uh, bringing human capital in uh, and and teaching for at least two years in low-income schools. And so I had the privilege of teaching high school social studies in Atlanta public schools, actually at a health sciences school. So later when we talk about pipeline building, this was one of those attempts. Um, And I'm one of those Teach for America changed my life trajectory people. Um, I originally thought I would go to law school afterwards and and while in the classroom just fell in love uh, with my students uh, and the mission and really wanting to work on expanding access to excellent and equitable education. So following my two years of teaching, I actually went and joined the organization itself, Teach for America, and was with them for I think over 13 years in a variety of leadership roles um, on the partnership and fundraising side. And it culminated um, the last about nine years or so I was there. I was leading our national corporate fundraising team where I got to build mutually beneficial relationships with large companies uh, that allow them uh, to fulfill some of their strategic priorities, but uh, also, and equally, if not more importantly, brought in the resources and access to their resources for our students that Teach for America needed. And through that work, my interest in workforce development really got roused. So I'd been focusing on educational equity in the PK through 12 space um, and really started to narrow in on all the barriers that exist for students like mine between cradle and career. And um, saw with my own high school students, despite infinite potential, there was a huge chasm for them between graduating high school 
and entering meaningful employment or post-secondary education. Again, not because of their own abilities or potential, but more the circumstances that that they were facing. Um, And that was paired with, interestingly, about the last five years when I was leading Teach for America's corporate fundraising, the bulk of donors were investing from a workforce development angle, which is a really long game when you think about it, investing it, you know, in kindergarten coding. (laughs) Um, uh, You've got a while to wait for that workforce. And it really got me thinking, there are got to be other more immediate ways. This is important. And uh, what else can I do here? And so I had been looking in the workforce development space and was predominantly focused on other not-for-profit organizations. Um, and then was intrigued when Instride reached out and tapped uh, as their social impact company. And so I... Uh, Legally, by our structure, we have to drive both business, but also social outcomes. And that was a model I hadn't considered uh, and quickly realized uh, I I felt like I hit the jackpot when I understood more our mission, which is really focused on working with forward-leaning organizations to build company-funded workforce education programs that remove all the barriers that traditional education programs have for employees, like upfront costs, lack of coaching and support, the need to find a learning option and amidst hundreds of learning options that tie to actual advancement opportunities. Um, And so the ability to remove all those barriers and work with companies to build these programs that provide access to life-changing education for their employees while also driving towards business outcomes was the exact thing I didn't even know that I was looking for. Um, And so I've been here for about two years. uh, And a key part of my work is leading our healthcare practice. And so getting to work with mission-driven organizations uh, and helping them tackle some of their biggest workforce challenges, whether it's talent attraction, retention, engagement, and internal mobility and upskilling. Oh, that's beautiful, Bali. And, you know, it's so important right now, you know, as we go through this post-pandemic and we saw the impact it had on the workforce um, of healthcare organizations. Um, And so, you know, we had, not only did we have this pandemic, but we also had this whole uh, careers of individuals who were now ready to retire. And so it just seems to me that Instride is um, in time uh, for the kind of uh, workforce development that we're going to be needing. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, um, what what it's important to our podcast is really looking at the fact that um, how do you support your employees to continue yeah. with your organization? Because many employees will, you know, work and then leave because they want to get their education. First, um, totally agree that there are many factors driving the labor shortage. And, um, you know, we work with a lot of health systems. We get their data and and we'll analyze it as we're creating. We really create tailored solutions to each one of our partners. Um, And a, a key thing we're finding in the last few systems was over a 
third of their workforce was over 50 years old, yeah. um, which means they're, they're going to have a number of openings coming. But that's just one of the myriad of challenges that we see our healthcare systems facing. So we kind of bucket it into three areas. And so the first is just the general shortage. So there are not enough bodies right now. You know, the American Academy of Health Executives every year polls CEOs of systems of what's your biggest challenge. And for the last two years, it has been workforce. And so we know, and I think it's something like 85% of health systems don't have the talent that they need. So we know there is a shortage today that's especially acute among high need roles like surge techs and rad techs. Um, and that problem's only going to get exacerbated by the impending retirements. There is an aging workforce in healthcare that we're seeing, while also paired with increased demand. As boomers and others get older, you know, I think it's two and a half million additional jobs projected over the next eight years. So, you know, the first bucket is really looking at there's a shortage today that's only anticipated to grow given the retirements and increased demand for healthcare workers. And then that's paired with the second bucket, which is uh, what's needed from that workforce is different. Uh, there are shifting care delivery models as people move more towards ambulatory settings and trying to stay out of the ED, right? There's looking at things like the role of AI and technology and how is that shifting what's needed of your workers. So what is needed of the actual workforce is evolving. And then lastly, who is in the workforce and who's expected to be in the workforce is evolving. So we're seeing increased demand for caregivers that are representative of the communities that they serve. All of the data points that that leads to better patient outcomes um, beyond socially, it's what's right to do. Um, and then also to your question that kind of leads into the next um, area of discussion is the changing attitudes. So we're seeing younger generations like millennials and Gen Z, the primary driver oftentimes of where they choose to work, something like 78% of that generation will leave a job if they don't feel invested in. So when you gather all of those things together, it does lead to this crisis um, of, of and workforce challenges uh, that a lot of the traditional levers alone aren't enough to solve. So salary acceleration alone, you might get someone in the door, but that doesn't mean you'll retain them. Same with the sign-on bonus. Um, and there are limits to traditional education programs that I touched on in my opening as well. So uh, something we're excited, while there's no singular solution that will magically solve it, is how we can work in tandem with health systems to solve for some of these challenges through solutions that enable them to improve their attraction, retention, engagement, and mobility. That's great. And, you know, um, I wanted to ask you, you know, how does Instride come into an organization and kind of determine their needs? Yeah. So um, we love solving problems over here. Uh, your, uh, I know your listeners can't see my facial expression, but <laughs> I, I just got very excited. Um, uh, so we create tailored solutions. And the way we do that is by going in and deeply understanding the problems we're trying to solve for and where the systems want to go. And they, yes, they're universal challenges every health system is facing. But 
the key priorities or strategies look different. Um, and so, for example, we have one health system that we're working with whose primary focus is looking at their team member engagement and retention. And so when they look at their exit surveys and their pulse surveys, uh, the key data that's coming to the top is that people are leaving because they don't feel invested in that they don't see an opportunity to grow and they don't see opportunities for development. And that then is leading to attrition. And so this system, their primary focus is figuring out how do we create a program that is meaty and exciting enough that makes their team members feel invested in, allows them to have career growth opportunities, which they then know will translate to increased engagement scores and increased retention. Another use case is uh, we have a partner who operates with the national footprint and part of their strategic growth plan is opening up more ORs. But as many of your listeners know, there is a shortage of search text and there are only so many search texts that each community college can produce. And it's really hard to do that at scale. If you're a national system, how many community colleges would you need to partner with? And so we're really excited to work with this health system to build a surgical tech course at scale by leveraging online education where we take care of the didactic portion um, and then work with them to set up clinicals in each of their sites. Um, and then a third and last example I would give you are the systems that just need people in the door. They operate in competitive environments and not just competitive with other health systems, but competition for entry-level talent where Amazon and other places are offering free education. Um, and I think a unique benefit that health systems have that others don't is there is an opportunity to come for a job and stay for a career. You can come in as an EVS tech or dietary and be able to grow either on the clinical or non-clinical side. And that's an exciting advantage that I think health systems have and can really lean into through strategic use of education uh, by helping someone using the education program as a means to attract talent in and then to be able to grow and retain individuals. So essentially, uh, we work with you know, forward-leading companies uh, to build strategic workforce education programs. And we call ourselves a tech-enabled service, which means that uh, our primary value add is really consultative partnership. Uh, we work with you to understand your challenges and bring together a solution, which comes to life via a digital platform. But we also have other elements of our solution that help bring it to life. So we come to the table with a high-quality academic network um, and, and uh, is just looking to get their foot back into education. Mm -hmm. So we have something for everyone all the way from high school completion through to doctorate um, to fill those needs. But we also come with wraparound services and support both for the learner and for the health system. So for the learner, that looks like coaching, on-demand coaching from subject matter experts that help them understand the program, how to balance work and home, uh, any other questions they might have, and throughout their education, they get ongoing support. Um, and then we also provide a bunch of resources for the health organization to ensure, to your point of streamlining administration. So how can we remove the need to market the program 
from our health system partners and do that on their behalf so that oftentimes these education programs live in the bowels of an internet system somewhere. And how do we bring them to the forefront so that we're able to really use them as an attraction tool or meaningful retention tool by increasing participation in them? And then the last piece is it's all brought to life on a digital platform that makes it super easy. I am the least tech person you will meet, a true Luddite. Um, and even I am able to navigate our platform. And so it's incredibly easy to use for the learners, again, trying to remove all barriers, but also for the health systems who often for the first time we speak to a lot of health systems that might be spending millions in tuition reimbursement but are unable to track the ROI. It's mm -hmm. hard to track what programs people are in, where they are, are they nearing completion? Is it time to interview them for that next role? Um, have you been able to retain them? What are the demographics of them? And so we're able to track all of that and do tailored KPI reporting for each of our partners through our administrative portal as well. Yeah, and it seems like people are a little bit more um, like yourself, Molly, um, in terms of we've done so many, we're Zooming all the time now, and yep. particularly through COVID. So it seems like it's a natural progression of education that people have had to be online. And so it's a great opportunity now to do that. Um, yeah, Molly, I want, uh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. I just had one note there. And it's a great equalizer, right? Yes, even, exactly. Even if you had it paid for, if I'm I'm a working mom, I have two young ones. The thought of working full time, getting my children, and then needing to drive exactly. and sit through classes at a local institution that would personally be really hard for me. Um, and we understand online is not for everyone, and that's why through tuition reimbursement, which Instride does as well, we're able to support those who want to learn in person. But I think there is an accessibility that comes with online education that really democratizes it, and especially for frontline workers, allows them to have access to it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, Molly. I wanted to ask, it sounds like you're working with large health organizations. Do you work with smaller organizations that may have a, a little harder time financially to meet this kind of a package deal? Yeah, that's a great question. We do a both and. So we're, we're, we actually just signed this week with a 3,000 person health system um, that's in an impoverished area um, uh, in New Jersey. Uh, and so we there is a big, you know, spectrum of systems we meet with, including that 3,000 all the way through to some of the largest health systems in the country. Um, and what we find, though, is it's not um, there's skin in the game on both sides. So uh, especially to set up clinical programs, for example, we want to make sure if an academic partner is creating a tailored surge tech program that we can put through about 20 or so learners uh, per year for at least three years. So that's, we look at criteria like that and just ensuring that the juice is worth the squeeze for the healthcare system, that there's enough throughput we think we can get through the program to make it meaningful against health system strategic goals. Um, uh, and also, uh, you know, whether a system is large or small, they get the same services from Instride if we're setting up a customized platform and really doing that consultative services. So as long as there is a throughput that is meaningful, we will work with everyone. And do you work in rural areas, Molly? We do. And actually, some of the larger systems that we're working with 
uh, one of the primary use cases is their rural areas. Um, and that's really because the pipeline doesn't exist there. So sure, you can open a new surgery center in a rural area, but if you don't have the staff to fill it, you just have an empty building. Um, and so there's talent that exists in those areas. Uh, and we are excited to work in partnership with the health systems to bring that talent in. That is 100% uh, one of the things that we do in partnership with our partners, where there's oftentimes segments of their workforce that has served a purpose that is no longer needed. So a good example is one large system we had had hired a bunch of temperature checkers for the door during COVID, right? When that was no longer required, they had those people on the payroll. They were bodies and this system needed bodies. And so they were thinking, how can we quickly retool them into MAs or PCTs or other roles that we could then build them, whether it's into nursing or if that person decided bedside wasn't for them into hospital administration, right? Or even cybersecurity, whatever it might be. But how do we take individuals already within the system and reskill them and upskill them into areas that are actually needed by the system. Because first of all, that's more cost effective for the system, right? You already have them there versus needing to attract them in. And secondly, you're supporting that you're, we work with a lot of mission driven uh, nonprofit health systems, right? And it aligns to their community efforts as well of growing and developing the community. And it, yeah. th those are primary examples of the ability to do that. So whether it's the temperature checker at the door, administrative roles, we're seeing a lot of those being reduced. And those are other segments of the population that could be repurposed, or even as the care delivery model shifts because of technology, like farm tech and other roles, those are ones that we can easily transition into clinical or non-clinical roles, depending on the learner's uh, desires and also what the health system needs. Well, I really like the fact that Instride is just really working closely with these organizations to take opportunities like what you just talked about, the post-COVID uh, temperature checkers. That is a great uh, process for people to go through. And just think for those temperature checkers, now they have an opportunity to grow within the organization. I just wanted to give you an opportunity, Molly, to uh, give us some, um, some ending statements about your organization, yeah. Instride. Thank you, Barbara. Something we didn't touch on that I really want to, that I'm excited, especially given what your podcast focused on, is the intersection between education and social determinants of health and how that can all come together to build diverse pipelines. Um, and so every... I think it is well established and people accept that education is closely tied to career advancement and income opportunities and that that is connected to health. Um, but a very significant body of research has also demonstrated demonstrated that education is tied to things like life expectancy, morbidity, health behaviors, um, and has a direct tie to health outcomes. And we're excited to work with systems in two ways. First is for increasing the educational attainment and thus health outcomes for their own employees. Oftentimes, our health systems are the largest employers in their area um, and have a number of employees working for them who are living underneath the poverty line. And there is an opportunity just, you know, getting someone in as an MA is great. And that doesn't need to be a terminal point if it doesn't, if that learner individual doesn't want it to be a terminal point. So how can we grow uh, existing employees into family-sustaining careers in ways that ultimately increase their health outcomes 
And then similarly, how do we expand that to the community and have a halo effect? So whether that's actually allowing members of the community to partake of the education benefit, which is something we see health systems exploring or starting to look into middle and high school students uh, to bring them in. Um, there's an opportunity there to, you know, again, through that connection between education and social determinants of health, uh, to really leverage this tool for your own employees and broader communities. So that's something that really excites us here. And another question you had asked earlier that I didn't get to respond to um, is just around building those diverse pipelines. So we know it's incredibly important that the workforce is representative of the communities uh, that are served. And so uh, that small health system that I, that I mentioned that's in an impoverished area, 75% of the adults in that community don't have any education beyond high school. And that is a health system with a third of their population that's set to retire. So there is an exciting opportunity there to bring in members of the local community to provide education, which then allows that system to build its own workforce that it needs versus buy it. You either have to buy or build, right? We have to get the people somewhere. So there's an opportunity to build it and do it in a way in alignment with this faith-driven, mission-driven organization's commitment to its own community. Um, and so when we are able to do that and create programs that uh, you know, drive community impact, drive impact for that learner and drive impact for those individual health systems. Uh, that That is what gets me up and going and excited uh, to do this work every day. Well, Molly, what a great honor we've had to talk to you. Um, and um, that is absolutely the direction we need to go in terms of ensuring that people get education as employees and grow within their community organizations, particularly those who are serving us uh, in the healthcare field. So our guest today is Molly Allenberg Friedland, who's in Strides Group Vice President of Corporate Partnerships. What an honor to have you today. Thank you so thank much. You, thank you. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Healthcare untold. Healthcare untold. Healthcare untold.